This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Untold Story podcast, everybody. I am very pleased to have with me today physicist Michio Kaku. He is an old friend of our show, used to be on America's Newsroom a lot with Bill Hammer and I way Mm -hmm. back. Um, And it's wonderful to have you with us, Michio. And you've written a new book called Quantum Supremacy. And everybody remembers gobbling up the God equation, which was another one of your really fascinating books. And I think that there's so much anxiety in the country right now around uh, quantum computing, around AI. Tell me about this book and, and why you decided to write it. Well, there's a race going on right now, a race between China on one hand and all the various Silicon Valley companies. You were talking about IBM and Google and Microsoft to build the ultimate computer, the end all computer, a computer that computes not on transistors, but atoms. You cannot get smaller than an atom. And these computers compute on atoms and whoever wins this race will control the world economy. We're talking about energy, medicine, transportation, all of that wrapped into the ultimate computer, the quantum computer, which computes on atoms rather than transistors. Okay, I got to jump in. How, you know, pretend like you're talking to someone who doesn't understand quantum computing because you are. <laughs> and I think a lot of us are in the same boat. How could you possibly, you know, we all remember um, original computers, right? They took up the, the size of a huge room mm-hmm. in order to right. do calculations. Then we had computers. We have semiconductor chips in them. Then we have our phones, which could do more than the computers that were in those enormous rooms. Mm -hmm. How do you get information that is more than what's on my phone onto the size of an atom? Yeah, well, you're right. After World War II, computers were the size of a room. This entire floor would be taken up by a computer. Then the transistor comes along. We replace vacuum tubes with transistors. And now you can put a billion, a billion transistors on something the size of your fingernail. And that is the reason why you can put that in your pocket. What you have in your pocket is more powerful than the Pentagon computers back after World War II. But now we're replacing the transistors with atoms and we're able to compute with atoms. Now, of course, it's very difficult to do that. So we have to cool things down to near absolute zero where things are almost motionless, hit it with a magnetic field or with optical sensors to do calculations on that. This is what Mother Nature does. If you want to see a quantum computer, go outside. Look at the trees, the forests, the flowers. They all do quantum calculations, grabbing sunlight and converting sunlight into sugar and chlorophyll and stuff like that. That's a quantum computation. Mother Nature does it. We want to follow Mother Nature. And like I said, whoever masters this technology will control the world economy. This is Mother Nature's mechanism. Mother Nature does not compute on transistors. Mother Nature does not use zeros and ones, zeros and ones, which is digital. Nature is not digital. 
Nature is quantum, and that's what we want to duplicate on your tabletop. And what does, but what does it mean? You know, I mean, you know, can you break down for us how how it actually works? Well, what you do is you have to take electrons and put them in a circuit, and then cool them down to near absolute zero, where we the the flip of the of the electron determines a calculation. Now, think of what you can do with that. We're talking about cancer, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's disease. They all operate at the molecular level. What can, it, what can an ordinary digital computer do against cancer? Nothing. Cancer does not work with zeros and ones, zeros and ones. Cancer works at the molecular level. And that's exactly what these quantum computers do. They work at the atomic and the molecular level. That's the language of Mother Nature. And that's why we think we can cure many diseases which are incurable today. We can create a revolution in chemistry, biology, in the memory of a computer. Instead of getting dishes, hitting them with chemicals, we do it in the memory of a computer. You push a button and the computer duplicates the mechanism of cancer, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease. This could revolutionize the economy, medicine, transportation, energy. So let's drill down on, on one of those examples. Give me sort of uh, the layman's understanding of how quantum computing could potentially cure someone's cancer. Let's say someone has, you know, um, breast cancer, for example. How would it work? Well, just this year, the FDA has approved a blood test, a simple blood test that analyzes cancer cells circulating in your blood, maybe a decade before a tumor forms. By the time a tumor forms, you have a billion cancer cells growing in your body. Mm. Surgery is required almost immediately once a tumor is found that's, that's cancerous. In the future, for example, your toilet will pick up fluids, bodily fluids, and will be able to detect cancer. These things will be connected to a quantum computer that will then survey millions of people. And so the word tumor could disappear from the English language. That's, been, that's amazing. We may no longer say the word tumor anymore because your household appliances will be hooked up to a quantum computer, analyzes your blood to detect cancer maybe a decade before it forms. So, I mean, that, that it's fascinating because we know that, you know, once cancer is found, it has been in the body for quite some time. Quite some time, right. So, so that's the detection part of the equation. What about the treatment part of the equation? Well, we're talking about being able to uh, home in on cancer cells, target them and destroy them. Now, today's computers are only digital. Zeros and ones, zeros and ones. They cannot do anything against cancer. However, we're talking about quantum computers that can then begin to tinker with the molecular structure of these things. Alzheimer's, we're beginning to understand the structure of the proteins that gums up your brain. Parkinson's disease, we're beginning to isolate the genes that control Parkinson's and then the trigger mechanisms, which are molecular. In other words, all medicine is molecular. How do we find drugs? Trial and error. This is like you cross your fingers and hope and pray you're going to get the next wonder drug. That's going to be out the window. We'll do it in the memory of a computer. A computer will simulate cancer, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's in the memory of a computer and then hopefully spit out a therapy. That's the power of this promise. This is the language of Mother Nature. We're now speaking the language of the universe. Forget digital. We're talking atoms. The Untold Story continues right after this. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? 
it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line, it's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI, it's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You talked initially about the competition between China and the United States on this. Who's winning? Well, the Chinese are bidding on optical uh, computers, that is, laser beams and optical computers. Uh, light, for example, is polarized, up or down or sideways. And from that, you can create zeros and ones, zeros and ones, and anything in between. Because you can be polarized in any orientation. In America, we use electrons. Electrons in a magnetic field. Electrons can be up or down, spinning up or down, or anywhere in between. That's the power of quantum computers. They don't compute on zeros, one, zeros, and ones. They compute on anything in between, which of course is infinitely more complex than zeros and ones, zeros and ones. So that's what the race is. The race is which countries can control this, make it economical, and then use it to drive energy, transportation, medicine, power. We're talking about the wealth of nations depending upon who wins this race. You know, going back to my question, who do you think is winning? Well, I think right now we are winning. Um, Google and IBM have some of the most powerful quantum computers. Uh, the Chinese are just bidding on one technology that is polarized light. We're bidding on several, depending upon electrons. But it's still a little too early to determine who's going to finally win. It's up for grabs right now. Do you think we're creating, uh, you know, how's our intellectual power in this country? Because we hear so much about how students have fallen behind in the United States in math and science and English. So do we have the intelligence in this country to create these computers? I'll be blunt. Our students, uh, neck and neck with all the other students taking these exams, our students scored dead last. Uh, especially in math and sciences. And I think the trend is even going to the opposite direction. Many school districts are dumbing down, dumbing down their curriculum to match the low level of education of the students. We should be lifting everybody up, not reducing the level of the tests. But that's what's happening. In every international test, America scores near dead last. And that does not bode well, because these computers will, of course, replace some jobs. Therefore, you have to educate people to prepare them. You know, there are a lot of jobs out there, but these jobs are for educated people. If you're not educated, chances are you can get iced out of the world economy. Therefore, we have to raise the level of the students so that they can fill the jobs of the future. Well, you know, one of the things that is troublesome to me is that competition uh, seems to be a, a dirty word these days. You know, wanting to be the best at science in your high school, wanting to be the best um, at science in your university or math, right? And I think back to the space program and how there was this competition to get there first, you know, to be competitive with Russia at that point. Do you see any sort of hope that we can um, generate that kind of inspiration and competition in our young people again in the current government or what would you recommend? 
Well, you're right. Some people call this a race to the bottom. That is, we want everyone to be the same, but the same what? <laughs> the same level as do nothing, know nothing? No, we don't want that. We want to raise everyone's level up. And that's why, well, that's one reason why I write books and try to make media appearances, to make science exciting. People realize this is their future, Absolutely. the future of their children. This is not some academic exercise in the movies. We're talking about real life. And so that's what I want to do. I want to try to excite young people so they say to themselves, that's for me. That's what I want to become. And, we, and we've lost that to a degree, I think, which is very bad. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Um, you know, one of the fears that has crept in, explain to people the difference between AI and quantum computing, because these are the two sort of areas that we are hearing about in terms of what can be really positive about them and what can be kind of scary. Well, AI is mainly software, that is programming code so that it recognizes objects, it can put together different essays. These are chatbots. Chatbots are like tape recorders. They simply take different excerpts from speeches, sling them together. It's not original. They don't think of themselves. They don't know true from false. They just cobble together different quotes from the internet. That's software. Quantum computers is hardware. It is the foundation that makes everything possible. It's the hard that does the dirty work, does the calculations. That's where quantum computers come in, and they're joining together. We put them together, for example, uh, in, in Geneva, Switzerland. We're trying to recreate a tiny piece of the Big Bang with the Large Hadron Collider. They're now using not just digital computers, they're using quantum computers to analyze the creation of the universe. And so we want to unlock the secrets of why we are here to begin with, with a quantum computer. Fusion power, giving us unlimited energy from seawater, we're using quantum computers to unlock the, the nature of fusion power. And so every step of the way, it's a combination of software, which is like artificial intelligence, and hardware, which is quantum computers. You know, it, it strikes me when you talk about the transistor and the semiconductor and the evolution of science that has, is leading to quantum computing and quantum supremacy, as you put it. Um, and I think about the shortage of semiconductor manufacturing and how we're moving more of that to the United States. Is it going to become obsolete chips, are they? Eventually, right now there is a race, of course, to perfect even the next generation of uh, transistors. But sooner or later, it's going to end. And the reason is very simple. A transistor today may be 50 atoms across, okay, the smallest transistor. In the future, it'll be five atoms across. At that point, the electron leaks. You don't know where the electron is anymore by the quantum principle, and the whole thing collapses. Silicon Valley could become a rust belt in the future. I mean, think about that. Mass wow. unemployment in Silicon Valley. Oh, wow, that's amazing. The, the I, I mean, I'm, I'm picturing the industrial towns of upstate New York and Pennsylvania when they became obsolete, the manufacturing that was being done there or it was sent overseas. So you're saying that Silicon Valley could also look like that in the future. That's right. Not immediately, but Moore's Law, which says a computer doubles every 18 months, is flattening out. Computer power is not going like this. Computer power will eventually flatten out and that means at Christmas time your toys will not be twice as powerful as the previous Christmas and would you upgrade would you pay to upgrade your laptop and your computers knowing that they're identical to last year's model probably not so you see what's at stake the world economy is at stake to see who wins this race to see who can get the next ultimate computer in your tabletop in your computer so just 
just based on education and brain power in our countries, would you say that you think China will win this race? Well, America has an edge in the sense that we still cherish creative, iconoclastic individuals, the genius that stands out, the Steve Jobs. Now, if Steve Jobs were in China, chances are he would have been squashed because, of course, it's a premium placed on, on everyone being the same in China. Here we do encourage the genius, the guy that just sticks out the oddball that is ahead of everyone else. But the average, the average student in China is superior to the average student in the United States. Yeah, that's because that, they don't spend three hours on TikTok every day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michio, fascinating conversation. I could talk to you for hours. Michio Kaku, uh, physicist and author of Quantum Supremacy. Um, I love the way you break down these conversations. I love your enthusiasm about the future and about what can be done. And I hope we can talk again soon. Congratulations on your New York Times best-selling book. The title is Quantum Supremacy. Michio, thank you. My pleasure. You've been listening to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.